You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. people see when they look at you? What do people perceive? Do they see a righteous boldness coming from your relationship with Jesus? Do they marvel at your knowledge of a most holy God? Do they know that you are with Jesus? Have they seen evidence in your life and do they believe it? These are questions that we all have to ponder in ourselves. Only by drawing close to the living God, only by spending time with Jesus can we answer these questions. When people look at you, do they see that you've spent time with Jesus? In today's message from Pastor Dave, he teaches that it should be obvious to others that you are a Christ follower. People should be able to tell by the evidence displayed within your life that you spend time with Jesus and are following His ways. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Deliberation. Christian. We talked about that. Not just coming to church. Not even just reading your word. There's so much more to it. We talked about that. Can you say, I'm a believer. I'm trusting in the one true living God. If all your answers to these questions are no, don't fret. Don't be concerned. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit for boldness. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh so that you can do these things. He's going to give you the insurance. So the first conclusion that the council comes to is, They saw Peter's boldness. What did they do with this conclusion? (laughs) This conclusion led them to another conclusion. They saw Peter's boldness and they perceived. They perceived. And perceive means to become aware of through one's senses, especially seeing also means to take into their mind. They saw Peter's boldness and they immediately thought, this guy is crazy. This guy standing before me is nothing but a country bumpkin. He must live in Cape May. He's crazy. This guy's a hick. What does he know? Look at verse 13 as we continue. And perceive that they were uneducated and untrained men. This boldness that Peter has leads these guys to perceive something that's not quite right here. Something is strange here. These men should not be displaying this kind of boldness. These men should be cowering in front of us because after all, we have the power to send them to death. But they're not. They're standing there. They stood there and they acted in boldness. These men had no formal religious education. They were untrained men. Most of them were fishermen. No offense, fishermen. But the council was right in one expect. They were fishermen. They didn't have any education as we know it. They weren't formally trained in religious education. They probably had no education at all. But this was a false perception. Because for three years, for 24-7, they spent time with Jesus Christ. Three years. 24-7, they were with Jesus Christ. They watched him. They observed him. Can you imagine what happened around the campfire after everybody was gone? Can you imagine him sitting around the campfire and Jesus continuing the lessons? You know, Jesus was a premier teacher. He taught constantly. He never missed an opportunity to teach and to demonstrate his love. He was preparing them and constantly preparing them. Everything he did 
Everything he did was an example to them, example to them that they should know. He never stopped teaching, but he prepared them well. They may have not had the finest education that the council had, the religious upbringing that the council had, but they were taught by the author and finisher of our faith. They were taught by the Lord of Lords. They were taught by the King of Kings. They were taught by the Messiah. You know, Paul explains this strange phenomenon that's happening that the council was experiencing. When they look at Peter and say, they're nothing but country bumpkins, how can they talk that way? Remember, Peter was quoting Scripture left and right. Peter was, and he was applying it correctly. He was quoting Scripture like, like, like it was just second thought to him. But Paul, when he writes to the Corinthian church, says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. In 1 Corinthians 1.27. If you don't think God uses foolish things in the world to confound the wise, then you better not be looking at me. Because I represent one of the foolish things of the world that God has chosen for some reason to use. It's foolishness. But God says, no, it's what I want to make you to be. You ever look at somebody and make a false impression? False perception of who they are? It's a great story about false perceptions. I want to share it with you. There was this doctor who went to church on a regular basis. He would dress in his Sunday finest, and he would go to church, and he would find the pew that he always sat in, and he would sit there every Sunday, never missed a Sunday. One day, he was in his pew one Sunday, and he was sitting there, and this young man was sitting across from him in another pew. He looked over to the man. The man was disheveled. Man was dirty, had some dirty clothes on, had some tattoos, had some piercings, hair was kind of ragged and scruffy. He looked over there and said, What's that guy doing in my church? What's that guy doing around me? He's probably some sort of a dealer, a junkie, or some sort of a, a guy who drinks. He has no business in my church. And this bothered the doctor through the entire service. The entire service, he sat there and he was disgusted at this person who was sitting there. After service, as the church cleared, the doctor got up and he kind of fixed himself. He looked over and the man was gone. But there was a book lying on the pew. He walked over there, looked at it. It was a Bible. The Bible was all beaten, worn, pages were falling out. He picked it up and he started going through it. Everything was highlighted. There was all kinds of notes in the uh, edges, all kinds of stuff. He started looking through this. And he went, oh my gosh, this person knew the Bible better than he did. This person had a true relationship with Jesus Christ. This person had written so profound things in here that he couldn't believe that the notes on the side and the scribblings that this person had written. And all of a sudden, he got convicted to the heart. He got convicted to the heart because he made a false impression and he judged the person. Then he ran outside, he looked around, and the guy was gone. He came back in, had the Bible, and he sat down in his pew. He started to pray. He started to ask for forgiveness for his judgmentalness. He started to ask for forgiveness that the Lord would restore him. And you know, when you, when you ask for those kind of things, the Lord doesn't happen to do that right away. He always gives you an opportunity to show that. Because when you ask for patience, you know, we ask for patience all the time. The Lord never gives you patience. But he gives you an opportunity to show patience. So as he was praying, he felt somebody's presence. And he turned around, and there was the man was the man. He stood up and he said, I think this is yours. And he told the kid or man what had happened. He told him everything that happened, everything that he experienced. And he asked for the guy's forgiveness. And they hugged and they prayed together. And the guy left church changed completely. 
the doctor left church, changed his mind. We've got to be careful of false perceptions. When we look at somebody and we perceive in our mind what they are and who they are, we've got to be very, very careful with that. We've got to be careful that we don't fall into a judgment category. We don't start looking at things the way the world views things. We've got to look at things the way Jesus sees things. We've got to look at things with spiritual eyes. You know, I love that verse that says, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, in verse uh, John 3, 3. And that's a twofold meaning. If you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom in the end days, that's for sure. You will not see heaven. But I also believe it means that you cannot see spiritual things in your life if you're not born again. You cannot recognize the spirit for what it is. Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Before I was born again, I didn't see spiritual things. I didn't know spiritual things. But when I became born again, the spiritual became new to me. And I started to see it with God's eyes. And that's what I'm saying about this guy, these false perceptions. We need to see people as God sees them. We need to see people through the lens of Jesus Christ. Council didn't know what much to make of Peter and John. These untrained, uneducated men who were confounding these wise members of council. They were confounding their brain. They didn't know what to make of it because they weren't trained in the way that the council was trained according to their traditions. The council discounted their knowledge with prejudice. Look at the next conclusion that they made. They marveled. The next conclusion they made is they marveled. So they saw the boldness, they perceived, and then they marveled. They marveled. Interesting that the Greek word for marvel here is thalmadzo. It implies admiration. So why were they marveling? They were marveling with envy. They were marveling with jealousy. Remember, we talked about the jealousy of the Sanhedrin. We talked about the jealousy that the Sanhedrin had toward these people. Remember, Peter was quoting scriptures left and right by memory, by rote. He's not reading them anywhere. He's quoting them. They saw what these men had, and they wanted what these men had. They saw their boldness. They concluded they were not very intelligent. They were not trained in their style because they probably didn't attend the seminary they did if they attended seminary at all. They were untrained, they were unlearned. But their knowledge of the scriptures and the application of the word of God made the council envious. And this would cause them to hate them even more, to dislike them even more. Similar thing happened to Jesus. It's no different in Mark 1, 22. It says, and when they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. Same, same type of situation. They were astonished, they were marveled. The same idea, they were amazed at his teaching. Where did he get this authority? And in John 6, 42, the apostle explains it a little further. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? In other words, isn't this just a carpenter? Isn't this just some carpenter? Why is he explaining these things this way? How did he get to know these things? My pastor, Pastor Frank, said education is a good thing. But in reality, what is needed is an anointing from God. You can have all the education in the world and use it wrongly. If you're not anointed by God Almighty, if you're not anointed with the Holy Spirit, then you're teaching for naught. You're not, your teaching will go nowhere. It'll fall on deaf ears and fall to the floor. I proclaim that when people come to church, they don't come to church to hear me. They come to hear from God, and they want to hear from God's Holy Spirit. So I need to get out of the way. I need to move out of the way and let the Lord speak and show you his love. Now, true education does not come from the wisdom of the world, but by guidance and wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. Peter and John may have been uneducated. They may have been untrained, but they had the anointing of God upon their lives. 
They received the power of the Holy Spirit, and they wanted it all, and they constantly prayed for boldness. And as we read through the book of Acts, you're going to see that they prayed again and again and again for boldness. And every time they prayed, they were given that boldness to be witnesses for Christ. The council marveled at the way the disciples quoted scriptures. The council marveled with admiration at the understanding the disciples had of the scriptures and how they could correctly apply them. But this led to a fourth conclusion, and probably the most important conclusion that they would come to that day. At the end of verse 13, it says, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. This could be the best compliment ever. Would that somebody would think that I was with Jesus? Would that somebody would look at me after I spoke or after I said something and go, I I think you were with Jesus. Wow. That would be the greatest compliment of all, to think that I would be associated with my Lord and Savior, to think for one minute that he and I would be actually be in the same sentence. What a glorious day that would be. The council's putting all these pieces together. That's what deliberation is. It's observing the facts and coming to conclusions based on what is before you. Another interesting note here, that one of the translation reads, instead of it says, and they realize, it says, and they took knowledge. The word here used for knowledge is the Greek word epigenosis. Epigenosis. And if you associate this with the Holy Spirit, a P is the coming upon of the Holy Spirit. And you place that with knowledge, and this word is only used in this fashion when they're talking about spirit-filled knowledge. It's only used in this fashion when they're talking about spirit-filled knowledge. Remember, the Holy Spirit is in the world to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. This council comes to the same conclusion because the Holy Spirit is trying to convict them of their hearts and the truth who is Jesus Christ. They're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. These men must have been with Jesus. They saw the boldness that the men had, something that hadn't been there before. This got them to thinking. They tried to formulate a conclusion by using worldly knowledge. They saw the boldness of the men and they perceived that they were untrained, uneducated. It caused them to marvel to the point of envy. But then the big realization hit. Oh my gosh, wait a minute. These guys were with Jesus. These guys hung out with Jesus. That was the conclusion they came to. This is the best conclusion they could possibly come. Even this perception, though, was off a bit. It was off just a little bit. They thought that the relationship that these men had with Jesus is past tense. He had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. And they're partly right. They just spent the last three years with Jesus. But where they erred was Jesus was still with them. Jesus was still present. Jesus was right there. Jesus, we are told in Hebrews 13, 5, that he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He was there in their midst. We know in Matthew 18, 20, Jesus proclaimed that wherever two or more gathered in my name, I will appear in their midst. Jesus was standing right in that courtroom with them. Jesus was there in the midst of all that time. So they perceived wrongly. Yes, they had been with Jesus, but they were still with Jesus. This is amazing. This this is remarkable to me. So can people tell you're with Jesus? Well, obviously they can. Can people be drawn to Jesus when they look at your life? Well, obviously they can. This is remarkable to me. The result of righteous boldness, the result of fearing and trusting in the Lord, the result of following hard after the Lord, regardless of your worldly qualifications, the result of following Jesus on a new intimate basis, spending time with him, knowing his character, following his commandments to love one another, the results of this relationship will be twofold. People will marvel with envious admiration 
and they will know that you've been with Jesus. They will look at you and go, that person's with Jesus. There's something different about that. that. That person's with Jesus. This is not a new story. This is not a new story. I love the way the Bible does this. In the Old Testament, Daniel had three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. These boys disobeyed the order by the king Nebuchadnezzar to fall down and worship the image of gold. That's what they were told in Daniel 3, 6. Failure to obey this command would mean a one-way trip to the fiery furnace. These young men did not bow down and worship the image of gold when the time came. And I'm going to pick that up in Daniel 3, in verse 17. In Daniel 3, in verse 17, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, if we have no need to answer you with this matter, if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve other gods, your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the fiery furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fiery furnace. Then these men who were bound in their coats, their trousers, and their turbans, and their other garments were cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. But Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. What did he see? He saw three men trusting in a one true living God, not bowing to his commands, not going to a graven image, but bowing, knowing with confidence, with righteous boldness, that no matter what he was going to do to them, their God would prevail. Their God would prevail. And when he looked in that fire, he marveled and said, wait a minute. Did we throw three guys in there? Well, who's the fourth? And he, he looks like the son of God. Well, I only know one son of God. His name is Jesus. So when you stand up for righteousness, when you stand up in boldness, people will see Jesus. People will see Jesus in you. And it gets better. Because when they see Jesus in you, and when they see it's not phony, and when they see it's not fake, and when they see it's true conviction in your heart, guess what happens? They want him. I got proof right here. Then in verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the fiery furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come on out and come here. And they came out from the midst of the fire. And they got them all there. And look what he says in 28. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they would not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made of ash heap. 
because there is no other God who can deliver like this. When the facts speak for themselves, you don't have to deliberate much. It's right in front of you, and Jesus is there. Jesus is right before you. Jesus is right in the midst, right in the midst here. This is what we're happening right here. This is what's going on right now. This deliberation was probably not going the way that the council wanted. Once they settled on the fact that these men had been with Jesus, they were led to their final conclusion of the deliberation, (laughs) a conclusion that added to their ongoing dilemma. After witnessing and gathering evidence, the council again looked on the living proof in the midst of the council, standing there in the middle of them. In verse 14, it says, they could say nothing against it because there stood the lame man made whole. The fourth conclusion they made was they can't say anything against it. They were probably shaking their heads in disbelief, looking at these men before them, observing the boldness, wondering where it came from. Wonder where they got this conviction. And then looking at the healed man, they could say nothing. And the verbiage hears me is refuting. They could not refute the evidence. They could not deny the evidence. The facts were before him. How could they deny that this man was healed? The evidence speaks for itself. He was standing there right in the midst with Peter and John. He'd never walked before. Likewise, we are living evidence of both the miracle being made whole and having a relationship with Jesus. When people look into our lives, they should see a new creation. They should see someone born of the Spirit. The old life has passed away, and a new life has taken hold. I once was blind, but now I see. I've been made whole by Jesus Christ. I've been brought into the new kingdom by Him. I've been brought into His presence. Remember that old saying? There used to be an old saying going around a while back. If you're on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Remember that? You hear that every now and then. Pretty neat saying. Think about it. What do people see when they look at you? What do people perceive? Do they see a righteous boldness coming from your relationship with Jesus? Do they marvel at your knowledge of a most holy God? Do they know that you are with Jesus? Have they seen evidence in your life, and do they believe it? These are questions that we all have to ponder in ourselves. Only by drawing close to the living God, only by spending time with Jesus can we answer these questions. Let me leave you with this. When Moses returned from the mountaintop after spending 40 days with the Lord, his face shone with the brightness of God. It glowed with the brightness of God. You can find that in Exodus 34, 29. Spend time with Jesus. Replace that downtrodden look on your face with the glow of the Lord. I can guarantee if you spend time with Jesus, if you spend time in his word, if you spend time in prayer, if you spend time in fellowship, your face will glow with the love of the Lord. And people will see that glow and be drawn into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It will be drawn to you. People will look at this and they will notice. Do this and people will believe your testimony. They will believe the conviction in your heart. Spend time with Jesus and be changed. It's my heartfelt prayer that this week that we would all spend as much time as possible with Jesus Christ getting to know him, getting to know his character, getting to know him through his word. And then we would glow and our faces would shine the image of Christ. You are when Jesus left earth following his resurrection, his followers weren't sure what was next. 
They had instructions from their Lord and Savior, but not much else. However, they chose to trust that what Jesus said was true and was going to change their lives. It did. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to minister to the world in ways they'd never have been able to do on their own. Is Jesus asking you to follow His instructions today? Maybe He's only given you a piece of the journey, or maybe He's asking you to wait. Take a cue today from the members of the early church. Trust Jesus to come through with His promises and change your life. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope. We'd like to hear from you and learn how we can be praying for you. So please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to hear more messages from this series in the book of Acts, you'll find them at assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download. And we encourage you to share them with your friends and family. You can also receive a CD copy of today's message by calling us. Again, our number is 609-884-5821. That's all we have time for today. We're so glad we can share God's Word with you through this ministry. Pastor Dave will have more to share from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Acts. So we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.